0: everybody welcome back to episode five of our novel experience i am matt this is aaron hello and anna hello and we are back again so anna you were telling us a funny story before we started rolling or a fun story (laughs) it was more like start there
1: it was an example of having fun i don't know how funny the story is going to be but the the reason i even thought of it was we were making the only joke that seems to exist at this time about, you know, oh, you coughed, you sneeze Do you have the Corona? Um, and last night we conferenced with some friends, some old friends of my husband's uh, from school, all of us couples. So there's eight of us, uh, two of them have kids, two of them, or, uh, two of them have animals And so we were mostly just figuring out how we're all surviving this. And at one point, someone coughed. So, but instead of just, oh no, you have Corona, like everybody in synchrony did a whole mime move of leaping away from the the screen and the monitor. It was just really fun to watch everyone's over the top antics. Um, But it was just, it was really great to catch up with people and have conversations with just a different group because. Talking to people who are raising farm animals, they're not bored. They have plenty to do. All of the things that are amusing and fun in their lives are still going on.
2: Oh, I wish and, we had that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, I was like, oh man, I should be raising quail or emu or something. And uh, and then friends who have very small children, their lives are not boring. But it's really fun to listen to them sort of unload about what this is like raising two-year-olds and four-year-olds and seven-year-olds right now.
2: I heard, um, I believe it was John Oliver was being interviewed by somebody, and he was talking about, I think he referred to his children as terrorists as he was talking about young children in this environment where you are stuck with them and you have to entertain them constantly. And that was pretty my made me glad that my child is 18 and self-sufficient ish
1: right yeah absolutely well and as an educator it was really interesting listening to someone explain what the impact of this remote learning experience has been like with small children and it just it sounds like hell absolute and complete garbage but as and I felt like that's going to make my me better at my job, just hearing from some parents about what they're going through.
2: Does it also make you kind of go, ha, as a teacher, we have to deal with this stuff constantly. And now you're just realizing how tough our jobs are.
1: I mean, I feel like a week or two of that would have made me feel that way. But after this, at this point, like I just feel badly for everybody. This is rough. Like I'm a trained professional. My coworkers are trained professionals. We do this for a living. Everybody else does not. And it's one thing to keep your kids entertained and have fun with them. It's another to try and get them to learn things that you've never been taught the pedagogy to teach. So, yeah, at this point, I'm I'm past the wicked delight and more into the, you know, feeling very, very badly for these people.
0: Teachers are or parents are starting to understand that teachers are actually raising their children.
1: (laughs) Yes.
2: I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Ask an elementary teacher how many times they get called mom or dad during the day. It even happens to me with some of the older kids, especially when they get in trouble.
0: I believe that.
1: So, yeah, I mean, the the best part for me was just definitely getting a lot of different perspectives because so many of us that, you know, communicate on a more regular basis. We don't have kids. We don't have massive farms. And even I think a, a lot of them aren't working remotely. A lot of our friends in this group are being forced to go into work. I say forced, but it's like not necessary. They could work remotely, but their management just doesn't believe that people can work at home
2: effectively. And the management isn't willing to make the sacrifice. Right. I mean, say we're going to accept slightly more, slightly less productive work in exchange for safety.
1: Yes.
0: Interesting. Well, it de- I guess it must depend on the industry because in in mine, we have people who are certainly getting more work done mm-hmm. and excelling in this environment. So, I would argue that the environment is not the catalyst for productivity or, or the or the reason you are or are not productive. It's people rising to the occasion to. Be productive and see the – do that. It's well, inarticulate, but you get what I'm saying.
2: But I also think a lot of it depends on kind of the nature of your business. I mean, unfortunately, my line of work requires – well, a lot of – there's a large portion of what of what I do that can be done remotely or at home on the couch versus in the office and by phone. There is an aspect of our business that is client acquisition – And so the biggest problem that a lot of my coworkers, especially the newer folks, are experiencing is an inability to get in front of people to build client bases, if that makes sense.
1: Right. So the maintaining of your business is not challenged so much as the growth of new business.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was also thinking it's not just about the physical environment or even the emotional environment of a business. It's also, are you have you set up means for people to be successful remotely? Because a big struggle that we've encountered is people just don't have the technology at home to do this remotely. I I worked with a, a woman who's trying to help me build lessons and her computer crashes. Anytime she tries to record anything, it, she just has an old tired piece of equipment. And there are people I work with that, you know, they don't have computers at home because they do everything on their phone or use technology at work. So
2: home computers have become prohibitively expensive unless you are technically proficient enough to build your own. General. I would, I would explicitly disagree with you. Interesting. The
0: home computing has grown increasingly inexpensive and accessible to more people. You can buy a fully functioning web book for under $200. Uh, That's like a Chromebook can, though, right? Yes, but that is a a computing device that runs most apps or most, most tools Um, you can buy Dell computers that are in the sub $500 category that are, that are so much significantly superior to what you could have gotten five or six years ago in the same price. It's ridiculous. The cost, the barrier to entry for home computing is exceptionally low. it's, It's lower than it's ever been. Historically, if you want a gaming rig or something that's going to render video or, you know, you're going to work with editing, say, podcasts or YouTube upload stuff, that's different. But streaming video to do a conference call and word processing and Google Docs is so accessible and ubiquitous that the cost for a device is is unfair. Lower than it's ever been.
2: You know what right. I think? Yeah, that makes sense. I I, I think- was I was specifically thinking of like a quality gaming computer where you're going to be doing, or like we're doing for podcasts. So you're right. For if you're using Zoom or web, you know, web conferencing software, most of that stuff is designed to run over a browser these days. So almost any device can run it. Is kind of the goal. Yeah. The people people have so
0: much more access. We aren't normal as far as our consumption of technology is concerned. Average people need a lot less. Uh one of the products I make, we just uh, rolled we just rolled iPhone 4s off of our uh supported devices list just recently.
1: So I I just want to make a quick point that it It has dropped and it is more accessible. However, when your monetary choices are binary to the point of I can either buy dinner or put a little bit of money away for this technology piece, most people, the only piece of technology they can afford to own is a phone. And that one is a necessity for most people anymore. You have to have a phone. Absolutely. You probably need to have a smartphone. A lot of people forego any type of other computing technology because it's the only one they can buy, and it does most of the things you need to do.
0: So, sure. I I mean, the 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 way we're talking about this: if you are deciding between food and technology, Mm -hmm. the difference between a two hundred dollar computer and a five thousand dollar computer doesn't matter because you don't have either. And so, it's when it's a binary choice, totally. Uh, I, I'm not speaking to that. The point I was speaking to was the accessibility and price point of current technology. Don't not,
2: agree. yeah, I, not I don't, people's access
0: to, so. yeah.
1: I just don't, I just don't want to like lose the the consciousness of, of that piece. That's all. Okay. Sorry. I feel like I killed that conversation with a, no, 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 cover. that's,
0: that's good. We got stuff to do and, and, uh, this is the let's, let's smoothly transition now into the next thing, which Great. is uh, we have a correction.
1: Yes. So from last episode, we were discussing uh, underinsured motorist coverage, and we talked about whether or not that was required in Colorado, and it is not. It is available. It is recommended. Insurance companies have to offer it to potential customers, but you don't have to have the coverage. You can forego it. What you do have to have is your own liability coverage. So that's the part that's required. So if you do buy the coverage, you have to make sure that if you are in an accident, you have to, your insurance will cover your liability piece.
2: Gotcha. So you're required to have, just to summarize it, you're required to have insurance in Colorado that protects other people From your mistakes, you are not required to have insurance that protects you from other people not bothering to buy that insurance, correct? Or from your own mistakes, or from your. But it is a good thing to have if you can afford it.
1: Yeah, and then and one of the reasons why a lot of people don't opt for that is because it's pretty high in Colorado because we have so many underinsured motorists. So it's sort of a trap that you're in.
0: Sweet. Uh, I'm a fan of corrections. I'm I like uh, when when corrections happen because they're learning opportunities and uh, opportunities to clarify. So thank you. Thank you for that. And if uh, anybody who's listening has a correction, they want to send in. uh, Send us a message on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash our novel experience. So we'll see you guys over there. Um. Fantastic. So we had homework from two episodes ago. Uh, we didn't, we didn't address any, any homework from episode four, or previous episode. So that was future islands, the album singles. So, so let's, I want to hear what Anna has to say first.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, I was really delighted by this. I really enjoyed myself. I, I, did a much better job of setting myself up to enjoy it by listening to it while I was on a walk. So that meant that I didn't have any distractions. Nothing was invading on my enjoyment. But I mean, from the very first song, I was, I felt transported. Um, and maybe of course, like the cover art had something to do with that because there's lady in a beach dress um, somewhat absent in body. Uh, and it, the song fit with that image perfectly it was just supremely enjoyable and in a time like this like listening to something peppy and upbeat oh man like just from the get-go I was delighted and then further into it you hit songs like I can't remember the name of it right now off the top of my head but I'll look it up for uh, and then tell you in a minute um later on you get to some songs where the mood just dramatically changes so and, and and the the sound quality and the vocals are so far removed from other songs you're just like blown away again so i i was really really happy
0: yeah that's sam herring he's one of my favorite uh voices in music right now i i think his voice is fantastic the range is unbelievable his skill set is great everything from a a high to a vocal fry transitions effortlessly it's it's anyway
1: is well, that, I, I, go I, I had one question for you guys because it's been bothering me. He reminds me of some other vocalist. Like there's some sort of nostalgia trigger in my brain from something in the past and it's killing me. I can't put my finger on it. So if anyone else can help me out,
0: it, I would be so grateful in my head. I put him in a, in a similar category in in a box like meatloaf. Interesting. I don't know why, but that's, that's where I put it. He doesn't sing like him, but it's the, uh, skill set in his voice that okay. I, that I, uh, correlate with meatloaf. So well, the,
1: the song I was thinking of, um, that really felt, that, that really gave me like another, ah, wow, this is awesome moment was, uh, fall from grace.
0: Yeah, that one's fantastic. the The backside of this album has a totally different feel, and then the final song brings it back around to being fun again. Because uh, "Doves" and "Seasons Waiting on You" are their biggest hits. Uh, they've had the most remixes of those. These guys actually came to huge prominence in uh, they they got their viral moment on a David Letterman performance quite a yeah. few years ago.
1: I heard I, I, I was really going to try and listen or watch that right before this and didn't get an option to, um, just ran out of time. But that that last song is actually my favorite on the album as far as just like in this moment in time, what delighted me the most.
0: Yeah. The, the one about, uh, staring at the sea, watching it back, back to me and all that other stuff. Oh yeah. I, I would actually agree with you on that. We haven't let Aaron talk yet. Yep.
2: Uh, are you, are you good? Anna? <laughs> Yeah, totally. Okay. So so I had not heard this before, or I don't know if I'd heard, I don't think I'd heard this before. So this morning I got up early, um, as I'm prone to doing on Saturday mornings. I got up early, put on my bathing suit, put on a set of headphones, climbed into the hot tub to listen to this. And I am terrible at remembering the right words. And so instead of listening to future islands, I punch up Lonely Islands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because, which is an entirely different style of music. And I like Lonely Island when I'm in kind of a fun, whatever kind of mood. Um For those listeners who don't know what Lonely Island is, Lonely Island is essentially a comedy trio that does music uh, made up of Andy Samberg and a couple of other people, kind of came to prominence on Saturday Night Live and very different. Um, This, so I mean, after like a couple of listening for a couple of minutes, I was like, I'm pretty sure that I wasn't supposed to be listening to this. So I went back to it and really sunk in and I devoured the entire album this morning then while sitting in the hot tub, just zoning out, really soaking it in. Um, I loved this album. It really, it, for this time and space where we are right now, it was great. Uh, very relaxing, poignant, um, very, I can't even necessarily wrap my head around it exactly. All of the song like, I'm a big believer that when listening to an album, especially the first time, you should not listen to it on shuffle. Because um, a well-crafted album has a story that, it fo- that, that kind of flows through it. Now, down the road, you can pick out your favorites or you can shuffle it up. But the first time you listen to an album, you should listen to it in the order in which the artist put it together. And I felt that this one really had it. I'm not sure I can explain what the story was, but it definitely had a flow to it. And it was very nice, very enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with all of that. Uh,
2: I would like
0: to take a moment and note that the other guys from Lonely Island are Jorma Tacone and Akiva Schaefer. Thank you very much. What's up? Pet peeve of mine when the most famous person in a group gets all the credit, and then the, the other people who may or may not have contributed it equally or more get the other guys. So, sorry, yeah. that was just a small interlude. No, uh, don't distract sorry. from the no, no, future
2: islands.
1: No, I think that's the glory of the internet is that you can very rapidly give people the credit that they're due.
2: Right. But so, Lonely Island and Future Island, uh, very different pieces of music. I really liked this, though. I thought this was a great piece.
0: It's actually Future Islands. Future it's Islands, plural. Sir. Yep. Future, future Islands. No problem. I just want to make sure that if people are looking for this, yeah. they find it. Uh, and is it Lonely? I did want to sh- Okay, sorry. But is Lonely? Is it Lonely Island? Future Island? Lonely Island. Gotcha. It's Lonely Island future islands. And uh, we have a companion playlist for people who want to follow along with the music we've shared and the music we've discussed on Spotify. We will link to that on our Facebook page, uh, which our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash our novel experience. It's the last time I'm going to say it in this podcast, but we will link to our Spotify page there.
1: Excellent. So Matt, you chose this, as part of our homework, what was your um, thinking on it? Besides, I know you really like this, this group and especially the lead singer, but what, what caused you to make this choice back in the day when we originally had this as our homework?
0: Um, Well, I, I, it makes me so happy. I can always put this, this uh, album on and it makes my day better. My mood improves. It is just a, a thing that that helps me pretty regularly just have a better experience in this in this life thing. I saw these guys at Coachella years ago and I knew nothing about them and it blew my mind. I saw I saw these guys get up there and absolutely murder a stage for in the sun, sweating their asses off, just killed it and they're such fantastic performers. I uh, I have a and a heightened fondness for that. And then the music just backs it all up. Hearing Sam Herring uh, perform live. He also, uh, interesting trivia fact. He does a lot of other, uh, performances with, uh, you know, stand in for voices on, uh, techno and hip hop, stuff like that. He also rapped under the name Hemlock Ernst for a while. And I don't know if that's still going on or not, but uh, <laughs> I'm exciting. not nearly as fond as the, of those as I am with of his work with Future Islands. But uh, fantastic name at, at a minimum, and uh, yeah, these guys uh, they they hold a very special fondness for me, and I'm trying to I wanted to share with you guys to find out if the music was that good or if I had associated with them and therefore my perspective on the music was somehow skewed and i think we've got our answer (laughs) these guys are awesome
2: yeah yeah very good
1: Uh, so one of the things that while i was listening to this um this album it had me thinking about what kind of music is going to come out of our current experience like we have so many kinds of emotions to process and events to try and unfold and examine and and express. I am wildly curious if what's going to come out of this is going to be something grungy and sad or something hedonistic and powerful. Like I I'm just speculating and I, I was curious about your guys' opinions. What kinds of creative work and what do you think will uh, if you were to just try to stare into a crystal ball, what do you think would happen? What will, will happen um, with music I, I after think, this?
2: I think you're going to see a lot of songs that are sung to newborn children because everybody's going to get pregnant. I think throughout this process,
1: you, you think that's going to be new songs, not like
2: just yeah. I think you're going to. I mean, and I could be wrong, but I think you're going to see. I, I mean, so. The pandemic is going to result, I think, in a lot of pregnancies. I think you're going to end up with a lot of people writing. I think there's going to be a lot of songs written about that. I don't think that's going to be the only thing, but I think the most uplifting part of it is going to be that. I think for the, I think you're going to see a lot of kind of angsty F the government kind of stuff as well. Um it's much like you saw during the first george bush administration when people were, you know, there was a lot of anti uh the first iraq war stuff coming out of in the music scene and in the poetry world. I think you're going to see a lot of that um just due to a lot of people's feelings that the current administration has had been an abysmal failure. I think that's going to resonate through the music and the kind of the art world.
0: So, I saw something on the information superhighway, and it was a thing that said, you know, the Black Death preceded the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. And I wish I were clever enough to have taken credit for that or to take credit for that, but no, I saw it somewhere else. But I would agree with that in that. I think we're going to see a lot more historically relevant artwork start to appear and things are going to be given more gravitas, more funding, more appreciation, and more people are going to start seeking out these, these beautiful things. And to, to, It's sort of like when you reach out for a a life raft, you know, I I, I need something beautiful now. I'm tired and exhausted and burned out of wallowing around in this muck of this society, of this culture, of this division of of these things that are uh, burdens, the burdens of current existence in America across the board. And when you have something to reach for and have something to appreciate and have something brighter than what you're used to seeing, I think we're going to see that. I don't know what that exactly looks like, but I'm excited for what comes next. That's one of the things that has me really jazzed about getting through a tough time as a society together is seeing what happens after that.
2: Kind of a one I step mean, fo- one step back, two steps forward kind of thing.
0: I mean, hopefully, I think we'll see a couple of sidesteps and yeah. some other things along the way. I don't think it's that cut and dried, but I certainly am interested in seeing what comes next, both technologically as far as solving problems, because I find artistry in uh, pra- uh, practical uh, solutions. And so when you have a company that can somehow manufacture a lifesaving thing quickly and efficiently and what once we're freed up from solving basic problems, we get to solve more exciting problems. And once we're freed up from having to pacify and acknowledge and work through all of the burdens of the current society, we can then express and appreciate differently.
1: Absolutely. And you can you can already see a lot of these things happening, right? So there's some beautiful things taking place like all of these different bands and orchestras getting together and performing remotely, putting out things to entertain people and give them comfort. Patrick Stewart reading all of Shakespeare's sonnets one day at a time. I mean, sonnet a day, I love that. Oh my gosh. And then he like, he smiles at the end and it's like getting a hug through the internet. It's delightful. I mean, there's, there's so much being done by creative people out there to, to support everyone, to give back and, and to give freely of their time, looking for nothing in return. That, that really blows me away. And that's just, I mean, I shouldn't say nothing. Of course you're, you're getting something right. You're getting whatever, however that feeds your soul, but Yeah, it's just glorious. And it's funny, you mentioned, you know, design, right? So there's all of these things happening to get people together to solve problems. People are trying to invent new things and intriguing things. And that stuff's traveling around the world lightning fast, because we have all of these tools to communicate with. And I, of course, I start thinking, well, what's going to happen to the study of sociology and economics? Like, how's that going to change? Are we going to are we going to finally examine things under a a new microscope than we have been in the past when it comes to how we support one another and and treat each other normally, because it's just like we talked last time, it's just shining this bright light on so many things.
0: Absolutely. I, I agree with that. The amount of, well, the social, I think we're in it. I think we're the ones being studied. So I think that's, yeah. That's the, when you realize you're in a science experiment is a, is a small revelation. The The second thing is, or the thing you were talking about earlier, uh, yeah, flowers grow in shit. And when things that are bad that are going on, that's where the beauty blooms. When you, if you drive down South Broadway, which if you're staying at home, stay at home. But if you happen to be out and you're running a necessary errand and you happen to drive down Broadway, All of those shops that – a lot of the shops, I can't say all of them, enough that it's noticeable when they boarded up the shops, somebody came through, a lot of the tattoo shops did this, um, they put murals on them, Mm -hmm. and they're just boards, but now they're beautiful, and they are very cool, very exciting, it gives – what was a very eerie experience the first week or so of this when you were seeing those drones flying around the video of the drone flying around denver that was empty Mm -hmm. that was troubling i mean I, i don't know about you guys but i saw that and i was like oh that feels realer than a lot of the other aspects of this the driving around or driving down South Broadway and seeing these, the the feel of it, it, it feels like, uh, people are alive here. People are living here. People exist here and people are creating here. It's not the emptiness of the neighborhoods. It's not the, you know, when you hear once in a while, a, a fire truck or a ambulance go by, that's the sign of life that things are happening outside of your home. But when you, when you see the beauty happening, I think it's, I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I wish, I wish I had more opportunities to, you know, witness some of this firsthand, but of course with staying at home, I, I pretty much am in the neighborhood and that is, that is it. But I, I mean, Matt, I don't know. I know Aaron, you've heard about it, but the whole people putting teddy bears in their windows. So kids have some scavenger hunt to look for teddy bears in the na- neighborhood.
2: I have not heard of that. That sounds so kind of I've also not heard of this. So, so oh, you, really? the idea is you can take your child for a walk around the neighborhood and spot the houses with teddy bears.
1: Yeah. It's a, you know, little, little scavenger hunt, find it thing. And, you know, People are encouraged to try and shake it up a little bit, move teddy bears around, put different ones in. I only have one teddy bear, so and it's very tiny, so it sits in my window now.
2: I've got a giant um, one, like enormous, that I made in the seventh grade in my home ec class that I still have. That is enormous. I should hang that or put that in the front window or something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just you know, and it's it's a nice little piece of solidarity without having to do anything really out there um, and without having to interact with anyone. It's just a, a piece of comfort you can give anyone walking by your home. And even, even as an adult walking through a neighborhood, you know, I like, I look in that window and I already know something about that person, you know, like they bothered to, to do this one little piece of, of kindness. And that, that yeah, tells you something about where you live.
0: That's great. I, I think that's great. So um we'll, can we link to that or an article about that in on our physics page, or is it just something that's a known thing, or an, I mean, a I, in I've, the know thing?
1: I've definitely found out about it through our neighborhood Facebook page, but I'm I'm sure I can find something on it.
2: Okay, how do you guys feel um, about this? How with the moon thing at eight PM that we're seeing? I was, on I was just going to bring that up. No, you're totally good. <laughs> Go okay. ahead. Yeah, so this is something that when it when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's dumb. Um, but very quickly, I changed my mind on it. The, uh, but so for those who don't know what's happening is at 8 PM every night, all over pretty much the country, because I know it's happening in other States, people go outside and howl at the moon or whatever. And it's become, it's become, some say it's in solidarity of nurses and doctors and first responders um, but I get the impression that it's more about kind of like the, the teddy bear in the window. It's a, Hey, we're here too. You're in a tough spot right now. So am I, but we're all in this together kind of, you know, let loose. And then I've got a friend who lives up in the mountains and, she plays an instrument and one of her neighbors like a block away plays an instrument and they've started. So she goes out and plays her instrument at eight o'clock and then someone else hears it a block or so away and they play their violin. And so then you've got people creating music in that environment as well, which is, I think is just amazing. And maybe there are people who've never met because they're, couple blocks away. And traditionally we don't interact with people who aren't in our immediate circle, but now we're getting out there and a little bit of, you know, in different ways to reach out to people. I think that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. Um, as far as the, the howling thing, I love it. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, the, It does make my dog very, very confused, which is adorable. I, I like confusing my dog. It's (laughs) fun. Um, she, she has fun too. The, uh, the thing I read into, not, not read into like read an article, but like I personally read into the howling was, you know, people sort of getting their frustrations out. And I think you, uh, I mean, this whole situation has made a lot of people want to scream physically and having an outlet to go outside and make noise, be heard, have a voice in all of this, uh, despite all of this is I think very empowering. And I think that's, I think that's why this is a powerful thing for people to be doing.
1: Absolutely. I, that's, so interesting that this got brought up because I I kind of ended up in a flame war a very kind one actually it was so I guess you couldn't really call it that on Facebook um, because one of my friends posted just kind of a am I just too old because I hate this right that was his his statement it was pretty much just opening it like bring it on I think I don't like this and I think it, it could legitimately just because I'm I'm an old crotchy jerk and um yes well there ended up being a pretty good back and forth and you know i i kind of you know wall of texted at him about it because exactly that matt like people have so little control over the current situation and you want to do something about it even if it's just to have a feeling of catharsis and this might be the only thing you can do all day that gives you any relief from that. And I, I would never want to take that away from other human beings. And the only thing that gave me pause was he did mention he lives in like a really packed apartment complex. I'm going, Hmm. Yeah. I guess when you're in a really dense population, that is a different experience than where we live. So eh, I, I kind of get that. That's probably a lot more intrusive than, the distant sounds that I get, but other than that, pretty much most people piled on saying, "Like, no, this is this is healthy. This is healing for people."
0: You are a grumpy old man, <laughs> Cheek fist at sky, etc., etc. Yep. Et
2: so, did you guys just hear that noise? Hear that? Yes, that is the, uh, is the thunderbirds. Yeah, thunderbirds or- doing a flyover.
0: Yep. So in Denver right now, the the Thunderbirds are doing a flyover for Denver, and they just did
2: Colorado Springs, or they're about to go. I think they're down on their Colorado way Spurs. to Colorado Springs because the commencement at the Air Force Academy is today. Right. So, oh,
1: so how are they doing that at the Air Force Academy? Like, how's that functioning?
2: I don't know. I would assume like I, I don't have an answer to that question because my assumption is how could you possibly have a commencement. And and, and, and and practice maintain. social distancing. But then my political brain starts peeking up, and I wonder how much is really being done, and I don't want to go down that road. Right.
1: Well, so our high school students and most high school students in the state are not getting a graduation yeah. at the normal time this year. So it's like being rescheduled into the summer, but it's all really tentative because we don't know what things are going to be like in June and July.
2: Yeah, and proms but- are canceled, too, which really – like I I was thinking about that today. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we've all been out of high school for a very, very long time. Um,
1: Speak for yourself. Okay. No. I've been
2: out of high school for a very, very long time. You, you've been out for a couple. A long of, time. A long time as well.
1: <laughs> Just not a very, very long time.
2: <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to old man that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there are, there are rites of passage in life. That, have be, that we take for granted In our memories High school graduation to me wasn't a big deal Because I went off to college and I was like Nah, but I can't imagine Being a senior today and being told you're not Getting a graduation and not Getting a senior prom even if you don't want to go To it and not getting You know, those things That you do That's got to be tough uh,
0: I mean I can understand it being tough. I also foresee new, new things coming out of this, uh, different rites of passage that are potentials here. I have cousins who did not end up getting their, uh, high school or college. I think they both, I think one of each of them graduated one from college, one from high school this year, and they're not getting their graduations. I haven't talked to them about it. I don't know how they feel about that, but kids are pretty adaptable and I think they'll be fine and they'll find another way to, to experience this. If you had told my graduating class that it was going to be a video conference, we'd have, we would have known what to do with that. And now, you know, they stream it live onto a, YouTube or Facebook channel or TikTok—I don't know. I don't know how that works, but you get what I'm saying. Where they would stream it out, kids know how to do that. They know how to take care of that. They know how to consume it. I mean, the graduation walks from college and high school, I think, are more for the parents than the <laughs> the um, students.
1: I, I think it it really depends. So I've I've now helped facilitate, run, uh, I've lost track of how many graduations at this point. And, you know, it, I will say that's really a place of privilege kind of thing to think it's not that big of a deal.
0: Oh, um, I'm sure. I, I, I mean, no, yes, I'm actually more, more interested in your take on this because <laughs> I've only graduated a couple of times and uh, they were not big deals for me. Uh, but, they were stepping stones and there were, Check boxes on a list, and I, I moved the hell on. And I think really? that's sort of what I heard Aaron say. And I think that for us is a, a fine example of our privilege. And so yeah. I want to hear.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, some, think another perspective. For, for all of us, I actually don't, I, I think I can speak for both of your families, if I'm right. Uh, we've all, none of us were the first to graduate from high school or otherwise.
2: Correct. You
1: know, our families, Correct. Right. So I work with kids who they are frequently the first to graduate from high school and the first to maybe enroll in a college. So they'd be the first in the family to both have, have either degree. And so for them, it's huge. Um, so the, the definition of working with at risk kids, like when they get there, it is, it feels like, you know, an act of God, right? Like it's, it's it, that's how big this is for some families. And every year I've gotten a little bit more jaded about it. (laughs) But I mean, the first graduation I went to working with at-risk kids, like I had to step aside and go like tear up at a corner because the the level of emotion was overwhelming. Like I, um, we always have the parents or a family member or a friend or a spouse even walk some of our kids down to, to their seats before they get their diplomas. And one year I walked a kid because no one in his family Was willing to show up for his graduation. Like I was so honored to do that for him and so horrified that no one in his life was there to support him. So for him, like, but he still showed up because it still meant so much to him. So on some level, like, and prom too, some of these kids never thought they'd go to prom. So we throw a prom for them every year. And for many of the kids, it's the best thing they've ever done. Like it's the most positive, fun, fancy experience they've ever had in their lives. We used to, um, one woman I work with, she would always throw a graduation party for her graduating seniors. We'd take them to a fancy restaurant and it'd be the first time they probably had ever been to a restaurant that sat, that where you sat down like that and were served in that fashion. So we did melting pot one year and... Like I, to me, that's not as big of a deal as it is for them. So, you know, I'm dressed in probably what I was wearing to school that day. They come in like full, like makeup dresses, suit tie. Like they are, they take this so seriously. And that's always been a humbling experience for me to remind me of my own privilege that this is not that out of the ordinary for me. Like I could celebrate any special occasion like this. This may be the only time they ever do that. At least up that, until this point.
0: That is a very humbling thing. I'm I'm glad that you can share with us that perspective because I I do not have that perspective and I think it's. Uh, thank you for sharing with us yeah, that that is. I mean that is heartbreaking and tragic, uh, but exciting and fantastic at the same time it is both of those things
1: to me so thank you i and i i absolutely agree like it's our perspective that makes it tragic but for them it's such a thing of joy and and that i also have to remind myself of sometimes where yeah i i feel for for a lot of these kids and things that i think they're suffering through but for them it's normal they they live in a different normal than i do
0: Yeah, totally. Wow.
1: But so, you know, and that's all that being said, I work with an organization that's aware of these things. So they're going to do their best to at whatever point we are granted the, you know, the freedom to to celebrate for these kids. We will. And so they're not really going to miss out entirely. Like we're gonna reschedule prom. It doesn't matter if it happens next August, they're still going to hold it.
2: That's so. awesome. Because yeah. I have a feeling for Denver Public Schools that prom is for the most part is just gonna be canceled. Totally. I, I think that you guys have an economy of scale in being smaller that you're able to you're able to push that out. I feel like, you know, kids who are juniors and seniors in Denver public schools are just not going to get a prom this year.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it, it entirely is about scale, right? So holding a prom for, you know, a few hundred kids versus thousands, you know, like I, I remember working downtown and watching all of these kids come at, pouring out of places like the Denver Center. And I'm like, what are you doing? What's, what's, what's this event? What's prom? I'm like, do you get to do your prom? At the Denver center. Holy crap. Yeah. That's nice.
0: Well, I, I am. So, uh, I don't have children. I am sort of, uh, fascinated by all this, but, uh, I don't know if it's teachers who are spending their own money or what is going on or whether these are built into school budgets or anything like that. But, uh, if you guys need some uh, financial support, look my my company and I would like to help with that.
1: That's very kind. Yeah, people, organizations, schools, schools are always looking for money. No one, no one funds us. No,
2: that's why they always have big, big sales.
0: Oh, yeah. And they continue to be
2: legislated to be less Funded yep. over and over. So right. cut funding yeah. to education, especially to the arts and to the sciences and
1: well, and that's I, I I talked about having this get together with our friends last night. One of the things I asked them as as parents who are now homeschooling children, is there any um merit to the idea that parents are going to appreciate teachers more? They're like, Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs>
2: But so to the extent stratify. that they'll pay, that they're willing to pay higher property taxes, that's the follow-up question.
1: Well, and that also goes to how we tax for schools anyway. That might need to be examined because the whole property yeah. tax situation causes a shit ton of inequality in itself.
2: That's
0: Absolutely, it does. To- totally, from cities outward, uh, the I, I read a fascinating article that I don't want to super get into here because I'd like you guys to read it as well. But uh, I'm I'm from Iowa which is a different thing than being from Denver and uh, man, it is a, is a different culture mindset, et cetera, et cetera. But the property taxes and the perspectives of city people versus rural people and rural people of city people is, is a fascinating thing to explore all on its own. So I'm not segwaying into anything. I'm not transitioning into anything. I just, that made me think of that. And I, can you,
2: put? To, do you, you actually have a this, this specific article to share on that though? I do. Great. I do. I've shared it with you guys in the Slack okay. and we can, we we'll
0: can share it. We should put it on, on Facebook. our Facebook page. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're just loading up our Facebook page with a bunch of links. So <laughs> that's the brains for
1: Yeah, no, I I do. I I look for the positive in all of this, um, especially with education. Like, I really hope people's perspectives change enough to give us the kind of political capital where we can actually capitalize on this. Because, uh, you know, one of the things it's also highlighting to some parents is that some of their teachers are not great. And there are a lot of not great teachers out there because we don't pay good people good money.
0: Ain't that the truth?
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: So uh I think we're good on on those things. Uh, do we have a vocab word?
1: We do. Who wants to say the vocab word this time? I think
0: it's your not it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wait. Oh, okay, I think I actually failed that nose goes, so I'll go for it. And and Matt, I think you picked this word, but I'm, I'm really excited about your selection. I've always loved this word. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's susurration. And it is a whispering sound, a murmur. And one of the reasons that I love this word is actually because it shows up in one of my favorite Terry Pratchett books, where he speaks specifically about the word and what it's like to say the word and what, how it evokes the meaning of the word. Because the word susuration sounds like what it means, and there's absolutely a term for that that I cannot remember. If someone wants to try and look that up while I finish this story, but so in *We Free Men* by Terry Pratchett, which is an awesome feminist treatise uh, on witches, um, the character Tiffany Aching is in in a field and she hears a susurrus. and. So I'm going to read a little bit of a quote from the book. Susserus. According to her grandmother's dictionary, it meant a low, soft sound as of whispering or muttering. Tiffany liked the taste of the word. It made her think of mysterious people in long cloaks whispering important secrets behind a door. Susserus. Ah,
2: I love it. <laughs> the word you're looking for, for a word that sounds like it means is an onomatopoeia.
1: Oh, my gosh. How did I not know that? Thank you. Memory. Not great. So why did you select this word,
0: Matt? Um, I, I, when I, I've known it to mean like a, uh, a, a whisper through a group is, is actually how I understood it to mean. Uh, When I look up the definition, that's not exactly what it is, but that's because language is a funny thing and it means different things to all of us. Uh, And it depends on how we use it. That's how we get vernaculars and jargons and such. But uh, yeah, the indistinct sound of people whispering. And I I take that to mean like a group, which is sort of a disconnected and other thing, which I think is what a lot of people are feeling right now is disconnected, unable to fully hear, but aware that something is going on. And I thought that was sort of a poignant word for... What we may all may all be experiencing right now, or at least sort of what I'm feeling at this exact moment, is just sort of a disconnected and um, the 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 quietness of it all. So that's why I chose it.
1: I love that. Well, thanks I think for that's asking. Very apt.
0: I'm sorry I just talked over you. Thanks for asking though. Yeah, Would you my say?
1: Pleasure. I was just saying. Um, I I think that it's that's very apt. I think that's a very timely timely word and and connection
0: so aaron would you like to give our listeners the homework
2: sure so homework for next time if and help me because i didn't write it down as we went through it today of course um but it's going to be of course listen to uh run the jewels three correct as well as, I think we talked a little bit about the um, sonnet of the day with Patrick Stewart, and there's going to be a link to that on the Facebook page. I think it'd be great if people can listen. Everyone could listen to a little bit of that. That is a that is fabulous. Um, and then we also have the article from Matt. And what am I missing? I feel like that's. I-
0: I don't. I don't think of these as necessarily homework. We've sort of discussed them, when we're giving people links to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can have the homework be run the jewels three okay. album. So run the jewels three by run the jewels. Uh, you can find a link to that in our uh, Spotify playlist. That'll be the that'll be in the Spotify playlist. And the next thing is the uh, sonnet of the day with Patrick Stewart. We've sort of ment- mentioned that and. People can experience that. I guess we'll talk about it more next week or more next podcast. I keep saying week. That's not time. Isn't divided into weeks anymore. It's de- divided <laughs> into years and <laughs> etc. It's our own. Yes. Early.
2: And then you also had the reading homework that we were talking. We talked about wanting to give everybody right. The I think we only had the
0: one homework. Okay. The, going into this was run the jewels three. In this episode, we have added Sonnet of the Day okay. with Sir Patrick Stewart, and I think that's homework. So, uh, do you guys have anything else?
1: No, I mean, I, I just have to say it's 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 been great to get back into this because I think it's a, helped um, deal with the current situation. I so. agree. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: Thanks. I, Thank you. I, I agree with that as well. I have uh, found seeking out pleasant things to share and discuss to be a pleasant thing to do. So if that helps anybody out there, uh, seek out pleasant things to experience. And if you have something you would like us to talk about, let us know. Get a hold of us and uh, we'll happily talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. I think that wraps it up. Thank you. Have a great day. Be kind to each other.